A reading from Luke 19, 29 through 40. When Jesus had come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. And then he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen saying, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. We began our service this morning with the story of Jesus's entrance into Jerusalem, where he comes in on a donkey to the praises of his disciples. In this retelling, Luke is picking up on words of the Hebrew prophets who said uh, the king, the Davidic king, the Messiah would come riding on a colt, that he would come into uh, the city with shouts of blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Not only that, but Luke is picking up on themes from his own gospel. The crowd shouts, uh, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. You may remember back to the story of the birth of Jesus in Luke's gospel, where the angels are up in the heaven shouting, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. In other words, Luke is signaling that this is the one they have been waiting for. This is the king, this is the Messiah. Only as he enters the city, it's a totally different kind of kingship that Jesus represents, different from what the world has seen. For we know that Jesus comes not in the name of violence, but in peace, not with might, but with compassion, not to rule, but to relate to all. And yet, as he comes into the city of religious and political power, he is seen as a threat, a challenge to the religious system, a challenge to the political system. And as we know, he will be betrayed, uh, suffer and die. So today we're gonna hear a portion of that passion story, the story of Jesus' suffering and death. First, we're gonna hear a, a prayer that helps move us from that celebratory Palm Sunday into the Passion story. And then we're gonna hear just a little snippet from the time that Jesus is praying in the garden with his disciples. It's a very human moment, both for Jesus and for his disciples as the anguish and the grief is real. But what we'll see is also real is Jesus' courage and his trust as he continues to move forward. So let us listen for the word of God. A prayer for Palm Sunday. God of the cross, 
tottering down the streets of Jerusalem on a donkey. You are not the savior we expect. Your power doesn't look like the power we want our God to have. Your wisdom makes no sense to us. We are happy to join the crowd spreading our cloaks, but not so sure we want to follow you through this holy week, into the temple courts, into the upper room, into the garden, to the high priest's house, to Pilate, to Herod, to the place of the skull, to the foot of the cross. There is already so much grief in the world, so much violence, so much death. So we need you to go with us on this journey. Grant us clear vision, courageous hearts, and persistent steps. Even though we know what this week will bring, fill us with your presence and peace. Amen. A reading from Luke 22, 29 through 46. Jesus came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he'd reached the place, he said to them, pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew for them from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed, Father, Mother, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. This is the word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me? Oh, gracious God, as we begin this holiest week of our church year, just be with us, walk alongside us, companion us, open us up to new ways of seeing you, new ways of hearing you, new ways of feeling you with us, and new ways of following where you lead. We pray this in your name, O Christ. Amen. Well, friends, this week we saw yet another uh, brutal mass shooting, uh, this time in Boulder, Colorado, that left 10 people dead. This on the heels of the one last week in Atlanta that left eight people dead. And the events in Boulder this week prompted one New York Times reporter to ask, is this what returning to life as usual in America means? Is this life as usual? Is this the way forward for our country, the way back to what it's been? If we had kept reading the passage that we heard early this morning from Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, if we had picked up right where it left off after the stones cried out, what we would have read is this. As Jesus came near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, If you had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. He came to Jerusalem and said 
weeping for them if you had only recognized the things that make for peace. I wonder if Jesus walking into Boulder this week, or Atlanta last week, or Minneapolis, or Louisville, or Washington, D.C., or Portland, at any time in this last year might also say, if only you could recognize the things that make for peace. All along in Luke's Gospel, Jesus has been trying to show us the things that make for peace. We've been hearing about them even just in this season of Lent, showing compassion for the stranger, as we saw in the Good Samaritan, binding up those who are wounded in our society. We heard the story of Martha remembering to be grounded in the midst of the busyness of our world, remembering who we're connected to and who we are. We heard the ways of peace is about acknowledging our own lostness like the prodigal son and also opening our arms like the father to all those who are lost in our society and our world. Last week we heard that peace is about paying attention to those on the margins, bringing them from the sidelines to the center in the stories of the blind man and Zacchaeus. All along, Jesus has been showing the ways of peace, of shalom, not just calm, peace as calm, but peace as true healing and wholeness and connection. And so now, as he enters Jerusalem, he weeps for this city. The city that still has violence at its center. This city that is known for uh, violence against those who rise up against the empire. A city that he knows will rise up against him. And so he weeps for that city, for that culture, for his disciples, for himself, for us. He weeps because still we don't understand. Or maybe because we do, but we have yet to take action. In another story from the New York Times this week, as they were responding to the events in Boulder, one person noted that while you know, a majority of Americans supports gun regulation proposals like background checks, most Americans don't feel strongly enough about the issue to change their votes because of it. And so they said this country's level of gun violence is as high as it is because many Americans have decided that they're okay with it. And we know this. We know this in all the rhetoric about thoughts and prayers, but still an unwillingness to change the laws. And so we try to pacify ourselves by saying, well, surely it won't happen here. Maybe it won't happen to us. But the reality is, if we are going to find a new way forward, we have to find a different way. We have to find a new strategy. We have to find deeper courage, a firmer resolve. 
We will have to face this head on. If we're going to find a new way forward for ourselves and our society, then I think our story from the garden can actually be helpful for us today. Because it is this incredibly human moment. A moment of anguish and grief, but also resolve and determination. I love this story in scripture because it is one of the most poignant that we get of Jesus, where we see this just humanity of Jesus and this angst as he faces an unknown future. No one knows how much he knew about what was to come, but he probably had some glimpse that it wasn't gonna be good. He was in a city notorious for its violence against those who rose up. He knew that people got arrested, that those who were seen as threats to the empire were often crucified. My guess is he knew that would be coming his way as well. And yet as Luke's gospel, Jesus has always been a person of prayer. He prays at all the important moments in his life, from his baptism to temptation to when he calls his first disciples to just throughout his ministry. It's a way that he grounds himself and connects himself. And so in some ways, it's no surprise that he would come and pray on this night before his own betrayal and suffering and death. And the prayer is just so raw. It's so human, where he asks, Father, Mother, God, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. I think of Jesus in this moment, just praying with fervor. Just wondering if there's any other way around it. Can you show me the way? All along, he has maintained his mission. But here we see just the deep anguish that he knows the journey ahead is going to be difficult. I wonder how many of us in our own lives had prayed a prayer like this one. God, if there's any other way, show me that way. If you can take this away from me, take it away from me. And yet what Jesus models in here is also this deep courage and trust. Because he adds to his prayer, Yet not my will, but yours. It is this determination. It is this resolve to try to stay the course, even when he knows it's going to be hard. He prays for that courage and trust. Even in the details that Luke has that none of the other Gospels have about the angel attending to him, the, 
the sweat becoming like drops of blood. It's not so much fear or anxiety that's operating here, it seems, but this idea of anguish. It's a, it's a term that has more to do with um, athletics and just focused energy and using all that you have on this. And so he is praying fervently, help me, lead me, guide me. Help me to leave it all here, leave it all out on the mat, see this all the way through. And it seems that God grants him this courage and this resolve because he gets up and he moves forward. And first he comes and he gets his disciples and here we see them in their human moment. In all of the other gospels that show this garden story, they all have the disciples asleep, but only in Luke's gospel does it say they're asleep because of their grief. And who can blame them, right? That all they've heard, the predictions they've heard, the, the fear that they have, the grief that they have over what they think might be coming, it's all too much. And they want to check out, right? They want to pull the covers over their head. They want to go back to sleep and pretend it's not happening. And I think this has happened to many of us as well. Those times in our lives when something comes our way and it just feels like too much. We can't deal with the loss. We can't deal with the fear. We can't deal with the anguish. And so we want to sleep it away. Or we want to push it out of our minds or deny it. Or somehow maybe stay apathetic to it. But Jesus says it's not the time to be asleep. And he says pray that you don't come into a time of trial. Pray that you don't come into this deep struggle. And in the sections that follow, we're going to hear some of the struggles that the disciples have, spiritual trials of Judas betraying Jesus, Peter denying Jesus. Even the disciples falling asleep is a, is a struggle not to remain apathetic, remain distant, but actually to engage with what's going on. And so Jesus encourages them to also have that trust and that courage to get up and to move forward. And so I wonder for us, as we think about a new way forward in our own lives, that part of what Jesus models is as much as we would like to go around the struggles or above or below or avoid them altogether, Jesus seems to say the only way is through. The only way is to face them head on. And so I wonder in our own lives if we can pray for and listen for that kind of courage, that kind of trust, that kind of determination. 
Whatever our struggles are, if it's a personal struggle, a new diagnosis, something inside our own hearts and minds, can we have that courage to face it head on with God's help? Maybe the struggle we're facing is more relational, a relationship that's broken or that needs repair. Maybe it's easier to just try to avoid it, but can we hear this call to face it head on, to work for that repair or reconciliation? Or maybe the challenges for us are the societal ones, the ones that make us weep for our city, the grief that we carry over violence and gun violence in our world, over white supremacy and racism in our world. It's easy to be overwhelmed. It's easy to just want to fall asleep, to not pay attention. But maybe the way forward is really to face it head on, that the only way we're going to address these things is through them. When I think about the past year, all that we have been through, individually, communally, globally, none of us would have asked for this. None of us would have signed up for it. And yet the only way we have gotten through is through with courage, with determination, that we are here a year later. And now as things begin to open up and we go back to, or not even go back to, but as we go forward to a new way of living, how can we go forward in that courage and in that trust to build a different world, a world of peace and shalom, and love and compassion, even in the very real realities of death and violence and power and privilege. Can we hear the story of Jesus for us today? And can we ask God for the courage and the strength and the trust that we need to face our anguish and find a new way forward. May God be with us. May God bless us. And may God give us the courage and the trust that we need. Amen.